Well, good morning to the Calvary family. <laughs> it's awesome to be here again. I was here uh, five years ago at, uh, at this actual season. I was here in November of 2014, and it is just, uh, just beyond uh, anything I could sort of imagine to see what God has done here with all. Well, you've changed this place around a bit. They, uh, it's, it's just neat what's happening, all the, all the changes here. And uh, Joan and I are just thrilled to be here this morning. Uh, would you just welcome Joan as well? She's right down here with me on the, on the front row. <laughs> In the uh, first part of this year, I had a couple of experiences that have sort of shaped and framed how I'm going about ministry these days, and I want to talk with you about that for a moment, then I want to show you a video. When you walk into your house and your wife says, hey, we got word from the doctor that, uh, that you have melanoma, that's not a good thing. Sort of stunned because I'd had a biopsy and on February the 8th this year, they drilled down into my skull, about a one inch diameter on the top of my head. I was paying for all of my early years in Florida when as a kid I went out in the sun a lot. And they uh, drilled down to the skull, took all of the uh, tissue out, they said I had a clean bill of health and so I was a happy boy. Then I went back to the doctor again and uh, I was a little over 30 days or so and they checked me again I said, well, things are still okay and then I had to go back again another 30 days. And they said, we don't have good news for you. We found more melanoma. So on May the 29th, I went under the surgeon's knife again. And again, they just took a spot, maybe it wasn't quite an inch this time, went all the way down to the skull. And my wife said they had to go all the way down to the skull because I was so hard-headed. They had to get all the way down. And when I had just the one thing done, they called me a one-finger bowling ball. But uh, you have to find some humor somewhere in, uh, in the midst of all of this uh, heaviness that I was experiencing. But when I came out of the surgeon's knife the second time, I made a promise to the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't know how much time I have left. At that time, I was 75 years old. I've since had a birthday, so I've been around the sun 76 times. And I said, Lord, I promise you, Whatever runway I have left, I don't know how much it'll be. It could be several years, could live to be a hundred, I don't know. But God, if, you're, if my runway is short, every time I stand to preach, I'm going to try to distill the message as though it might be the last sermon I'd ever preached. And I want to, I want to give people an opportunity to commit their lives to Christ. And I want to ask those who are following you to, to let the fire burn brighter in their life. So I want you to know as I stand here this morning, just a few moments when I deliver the message that I believe God has given me for today, I've tried to distill what I know about God into a message that will give you an opportunity to respond to what God wants to do in your life. Because there's no one here that knows how much time you have left. You don't know how much time you have left, just like I don't know. Let's hear the word of the Lord with that in mind today. So with, with that sort of in my mind, 
I, had, uh, I went to Cuba in uh, 2017. Uh, my book, Four Faces of a Leader, had been translated into Spanish, and it had been, they've been taking copies down there, and so the, the church asked me to come down and do a conference, which I did, and then this past year, matter of fact, just in the end of September, 1st of October, I was asked to come back to Cuba, and six different churches, six different denominations, I should say, the Assemblies of God, the Baptists, the Methodists, the E-Free, and two other non-denominational groups came together, and I was able to, uh, to teach them four faces of a leader. And at night, we had services, and I had a religious visa to go there. I could talk a lot about Cuba this morning. I'm not going to take time to do that. I'm going to show you this video, but I want to say thanks to this church because you helped me to go there along with a team of people. And I want to say thanks to Pastor Ed for your generosity and I want you to know that we're grateful for this church and the investment in, in Cuba that you've had. And, uh, and so with that, let's, let's roll the video and maybe I'll talk a little bit while it's uh, going on so you'll see uh, where we are here. Here we are, Cuba, 2018. Let's roll the video. There are beautiful parts to Cuba. <laughs> this is downtown Havana. And there are some vintage cars there too. <laughs> Places that are trying to build ministries, here's one of them. This is a couple that has a, a wonderful ministry of reaching out to people because there are people there that don't have food and clothing. Here's a, uh, again, there's these cars that they have that e easy to fix because they're not computerized. <laughs> Here we are on a street in Cuba. <laughs> We were in the central part, the, uh, the western part is uh, Havana, the eastern part is Santiago, those are the two main cities in Cuba. 10 million people on this island. But under communism, the economy has gone way down. The average person can make $20 a month. And if you're a professional, you get to earn $40 a month. Here's the church that we use uh, to uh, have the uh, here, here are some of the pastors that uh, were in the, in the conference. These are, the, of course, these are the music people. We fed 180 pastors a day, gave them breakfast and lunch and dinner. They, uh, they brought some of their leaders uh, to, the, to this conference. Here we are praying for some of them at the end of a service. There's a mighty revival in Cuba. There are 2,200 Assemblies of God churches, 2,200, 13,000 preaching points. It's amazing what God is doing there in, the, in these days. This is our, the primary church that we use for the conference in the morning. And here's the kitchen where we fed these 180 pastors every day. They don't have money for, you know, to come to a conference like this. So we provided a food for them. Someone said they ate better than we did during that time. But they're, they're a, they had a, a huge number of volunteers that cooked for them. 
they had great fellowship during this time where they uh, were eating together. Rice and beans is the, is the me menu of the day. <laughs> these, are all, these are all pastors and leaders there. These are, of course, the team of people, Pastor uh, Moses is there. He's the person, our contact person from Cuba. This is the little ministry where they were, th these people were absolutely amazing and they feed people in the morning, give them clothing. They are, they're developing a, a very strong ministry in this little compound uh, where they, uh, they help people every single day. And they do it all by, by faith, believing and trusting God. Well, that's just a little bit of a snapshot of, of what went on there. And I want to say again, thanks to this church for, for helping us to go there. And, and you're a part of what God is doing in these 2,200 churches, 13,000 preaching points. And as we left, they said, this has been so great for our city. We are in the area of Santa Clara, which is the middle part of Cuba. And they had never had anything like this before where all the churches came together and, uh, and had teaching and had these e evening uh, meetings. So, Thanks again. I want to just pause right now and pray for Cuba before I move into my message in the morning. Lord, thank you for the investment this church has made in Cuba. I pray that you would continue to pour out your spirit on that country. And Lord, would you accomplish everything that you intend on this 10 million people in this land. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Thanks again for for your investment in Cuba. Well, if I was going to try to distill down the, what I believe God wants to say to us, what His message is to us, I'd call it the center of gravity of our message. The center of gravity of our message. It, it really comes out of Acts chapter 5 where the apostles had been thrown in jail. That was a, not a, an uncommon experience for them. And it's not also uncommon for high drama to take place in the book of Acts. And an angel comes in the middle of the night, frees them from prison, and then the angel speaks a word to them about what they're to do. Let's hear the word of the Lord from Acts chapter 5. Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles, put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. I want this morning to talk about this new life that God brings to us. When I use the metaphor, the center of gravity, it really means pivotal or the central idea. What's the central idea that God wants to communicate to us as people on this earth? So let me see if I can unpack that in the next few moments. I think, first of all, he wants us to experience divine love. You see, these, these apostles 
had heard him say, because John wrote about it, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And that same apostle John wrote in 1 John chapter 4, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. I think one of the hardest things for most people to believe is that God really loves you. I mean, he really loves you. It doesn't matter what, you, matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter where you work. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. God really loves you. And he loves us in a way that's different than we understand love. You see, I can say I, I love apple pie. Well, I don't really love apple pie. I want to consume it, make it cease to be apple pie, and make it become a part of me. That's what I want to do with apple pie. I can say I love sports. Well, I, what I really like to do is go and cheer and have a good time. And I, I can talk about love in so many ways. But when the Bible talks about God's love, it uses a very special word. It's the word agape. I know you've heard that word before. Because when I was here, I'm, I'm sure that at some point I talked about agape, God's love for us. So how do you describe it? How do you describe God's love being so different than the love I might have for my wife, the love I might have for my children, the love I might have for a friend? How is God's love different than that? This word agape encompasses that meaning. Let me see if I can just unpack it for a moment. What does agape mean? It means that God loves us as is. As is kind of love. When I was in Cuba, I, I saw a 53 Ford there, and it reminded me that my first car was a 53 Ford. Matter of fact, I bought it down in West Palm Beach, Florida. And I paid $350 for this 1953 Ford. The price started at $375. But I sort of bargained the guy down, and I bought it for $350. And he said to me, okay, when you drive it off the lot, it's yours. You're buying it as is. If the motor drops out, the transmission falls apart, it's yours. You're buying it as is because I didn't pay full price. You never pay full price for as is merchandise unless you're guide. God paid full price. He sent his one and only son. The Bible says as an atoning. That word means to buy back. He sent his one and only son 
to die for us, to buy us back, and he paid full price. He paid full price for everybody in this room. That's how much God loves us. He doesn't care what's wrong with us or how long we've been away from him or what we may have done. If you can walk away this morning with, with that thought, God loves me as is, and he expects me to love other people as is. God loves me as is. And these apostles went out into the streets, and they began to say, God loves you as is. He sent his one and only son, and he was raised from the dead. We are to experience divine love. I want to suggest, secondly, that we're to experience divine power. Before Jesus left, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This, the Spirit of God is not only with us, He is in us when we become a follower of Jesus. Paul calls that the sealing of the Spirit. And then the Spirit comes upon us. He comes upon us with great power so that we might take this message to the whole world. And when He comes upon us, He not only comes upon us with power to proclaim the good news, but there are other kinds of gifts that come in and to focus in the church as well. When I was in Cuba, my brother-in-law was with us, and, and he was having some strong business issues back here. As a matter of fact, he, he had to leave early because he had some, some things going on. But on Friday morning, we were standing down at the front of the church, and, and my brother-in-law was, he was really stressed out. And a lady, comes walking down to him. She'd never seen him before. And she walked straight up to him. She said, sir, I don't know you, but I've come with a message from God for you. And I mean, he just kind of really got his attention. She said, the Spirit came upon me, and I'm to come and tell you that everything's going to be all right in your business the stress that you're under and all that you're walking in, God is with you. And I mean, Buzz's eyes got about that big. And then he, he said, like a peace came over him. He had to leave the next day, got, got a plane and came home early. I just saw him a few days ago and he said, it, it's amazing how some things have smoothed out. He said, just like that lady told me when I was down in Cuba. Matter of fact, we're going to see him this evening. And, and when we're together, it's, it's always in, in these days, particularly since that trip to Cuba, he's, he's open and inviting the Spirit to work in and through his life. And I want to say to every one of you in this room, a part of the message that God has for us 
is that He sends His Spirit to be with us, in us, and upon us, and we're to experience that presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not talking about something kooky or wacky or that we're to walk around everybody looking for something strange to happen. I'm just here to tell you when the Spirit comes upon us, like in the book of Acts, we will proclaim the Word of God boldly. We'll be bold people in Jesus' name, and we'll take this message to the whole world. That's what the Spirit does in and through us. And thirdly, we will experience divine compassion. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This word for compassion is a strong, deep word. It's visceral. It comes from down inside. Jesus was moved with compassion. This is more than human pity. This is divine compassion. And when we are moved with this, when we experience divine compassion, something happens to us. When I was 19 years old, I went to New York City to work with David Wilkerson. I was one of the first persons there in those early days to, to go out of the streets. I was there with Nikki Cruz, and those of you who've been around for a little while would recognize the, the book, The Cross and the Switchblade. And, and so God started me out in this ministry of working with teen gangs and drug addicts and, and, and people who were, were at risk in life. And then I moved away from that, became a pastor and a superintendent and did some other things. What's really interesting is that when, when I was moving about and helping churches like I came to Calvary, I, I think I did about eight or nine churches and I was back in Richmond, and one day I get a call that there's a huge ministry there that was in deep trouble. And they called and asked if I would come and help them right in our own city. It was a, it was a place that reached out to drug addicts and alcoholics, and to the homeless. We have a recovery home for women who've been abused. And this ministry had come on hard times, and they asked me if I would come and help them. And so I stepped in. and. With God's help, we've, we've been able to see that ministry restored. We've made some name changes and some branding changes, and, and God's doing some wonderful things there. And I said, Lord, you really have a sense of humor. Here, in my earliest part of ministry, I'm 19 years of age. You start me out in New York City. Now here I am in my mid-70s, sort of like a parenthesis on the other end of life. I'm I'm in the same kind of ministry that I started out with when I was 19. It's a compassion ministry. Every Saturday, every Saturday, we send out buses into these neighborhoods in Richmond and take these kids from these at-risk neighborhoods, and we bring them in, and we give them lunch, and, and we pray with them. We try to teach them some good values and share the good news. We say God loves you, as is. It was, um, it was last year. 2017, when we got a call from a ministry called Samaritan Ministries, not Samaritan's Purse, that's Franklin Graham, that's a good ministry as well. But there's a ministry called Samaritan's Ministries, 
And they called and they said, how would you like to, how would you like to put a pair of new shoes on every kid that you bring in on a Saturday? We said, that'd be awesome. They said, we have, a, we have an agreement with Nike. They said they would, they would provide free of charge a new pair of shoes from ministries like yours that you'll put them on these kids' feet with one condition. You have to wash their feet before you put the shoes on their feet. We said, we're in. We're all in. And so, on October the 14th, 2017, and I want to bring the slide up right now. The best birthday present I've ever had. My birthday is October the 14th. For my 75th birthday, this is what I got to do. I got to wash kids' feet. I'm still waiting for the slide. I got to wash kids' feet and put a new pair of shoes on them. And every kid, as I washed their feet and put a new pair of shoes on them, there were lots of other people doing it as well. I was able to take by the shoulder and say, you know what? God loves you. He loves you as is. And you can be anything that God wants you to be. God has something for your life. Don't ever forget that God loves you. God loves you more than you'll ever know. And then I got to pray with each of those kids. Best birthday present I've ever had. 75th birthday. Right there. Mm-hmm. So God wants us to experience divine love. He wants us to experience divine power. He wants us to experience divine compassion. And finally, He wants us to experience divine hope. The Bible has a lot to say about hope. Matter of fact, if you knew me very long, and those of you who heard me preach when I was here, you know that hope is kind of my theme. Almost every sermon that I preach, at some way I, I'm able to talk about hope, because hope is a big word to me. And it's probably going to be a big word to some of you today, because you may not feel like you have a lot of hope. But God can bring hope into your life. He can bring hope not only for now, but the hope that I'm also talking about is a hope that someday Jesus is coming back again. You see, my citizenship is not here. I have citizenship in heaven. And someday I'm going there. Someday I'm going to heaven. I'm either going to go by the way of the grave or Jesus is going to come back. If He comes back before I die, that's called the blessed hope. If I'm raised from the dead to be with Him, that's the hope that I have, that I'm going to be with Jesus. The Scripture says, heaven must receive Him until the time comes for God to restore everything as He promised long ago through His holy prophets. God is going to restore everything here. He's coming back. He's coming back for us. And I live in this life with a sense of hope. But I really am looking forward to the blessed hope when He comes back again. 
1954, there's a lady named Florence Chadwick. She's an iconic American hero. She's, she did the English Channel both ways. She decided in 1954 that she wanted to swim from Catalina Island off the coast of California to the, to the, she wanted to swim from that island to the coast of California. Difference in miles, some, I've read 21 miles, 26 miles, all I know is it's a long ways, a long ways to swim. And so they had a boats around her and they had prepared something over her so for the sharks. And so she starts this long swim and she, she was swimming and swimming and the water was cold and, and it's foggy. <laughs> And they had to fight the sharks off. And her mom was in a boat just cheering her on. And finally, Florence said, I can't do it. I've done everything. I, I just don't have any strength to go on. And plus, with the fog, I, I can't see the shore. I don't, I don't know how far away I am. So she got in the boat, only to discover that she was less than a mile from the shore. She was so upset with herself that she took some time off and then she, a few months later, came back and she said, I'm gonna do it. And she got in the water again on Catalina Island and this time she made it all the way to the shore of California because she said, I, I can see the shore and some of you here this morning, you're in the midst of a lot of fog. I mean, this is one crazy world that we live in. This is one crazy world. A lot of things are upside down. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else other than this country. I love living in this country. I've traveled across the world, a lot of good places in the world. But, but this world is not where we're going to find our final place. And I, I don't want to live in such a way that I act like it, that, hey, this is it. And the fog can keep us from seeing the shore that we're headed towards if we aren't careful. And we'll pitch in the towel and say, I, I'm just going to give up. I'm just going to give up. Don't quit. Hear this from a 76-year-old guy, don't quit. Don't quit. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't quit because you're going to make it through. You're going to make it through. I would remind you, God loves you as is. I said in the beginning I was going to give you an opportunity to respond. That's coming in just a moment. God loves you as is. And right now some of you are feeling that in your heart. You're saying, Wow, God loves me just like I am. That's how much He loves me. And He sent His Son to die for me and to be raised from the dead on the third day. Hey, I get that. I can receive that love and I can be saved. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. It says if you confess your sins, if you believe it in your heart, you'll be saved. 
That's how much God loves you. He wants everybody everywhere to be saved. And he wants you to experience divine power. He wants to put the power of the Holy Spirit upon you. And then he wants you to be compassionate. He wants to send you out and, and have you be compassionate towards people. Maybe you'll get to wash somebody's feet on your birthday and put a pair of shoes on someone. And you know I'm speaking metaphorically now. God will use you. And then he'll give you a hope, a hope that you can live with every day. Because God, no matter what kind of fog is around me, no matter how confused and crazy and messed up this world is, my citizenship is somewhere else. And I'm going to live like it. And I'm going to live with a hope in my heart. That is the center of gravity of the message that God has for us today. Divine love, divine power, divine compassion, and divine hope. And it's all ours. It's all ours right now. It's ours in Jesus' name. Would you bow your heads with me, please? I want to, I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. I told you in the beginning I was going to give you a chance to respond because I promised the Lord that every message that I give, I'm going to give people a chance to respond to the message. If you're here today and you want to say, you know, I've, I've heard about God's love, but I've never really been saved. I've never had Jesus come into my life. And right where I'm seated, I want to invite him into my life. You can pray a prayer like this. You can say, Jesus, right here, I take my first step toward receiving you into my life. Thank you for loving me as is. And I thank you now. In Jesus' name. And the moment you say that, I want to say welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the family of God. As we're our heads bowed, if across this building, I, I believe that there are some people that are saying that prayer and that prayer right where you're seated. Or secondly, there are probably some folks here saying, you know what, I've, I've just been almost ready to quit. Almost ready to quit. But I wanna I wanna recharge today. I want to recharge. Would you say right now, right where you're seated, oh God, oh God, I thank you. I thank you for this word that's come to me today. I don't have to quit. I can keep going. And now in Jesus' name, I receive divine hope, Lord, hope in this life and in the life to come. I thank you for hope in Christ's name. Lord, I want to thank you for people who prayed those prayers today. And I trust you now, oh God, that we'll take the next step that you want us to take to acknowledge that, not only before you, but before people. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.
You have the ability to choose.